every perspective has the potential to cloud the judgment of another. Concerning our conversation on today's episode, don't let it. Humility is of utmost importance to the integrity of perspective. Before you judge, criticize, critique, or draw conclusions about anybody's life, understand that you only know what you think you know. You only see what you think you see. You only hear what you think you hear. You only feel what you think you feel. And you only believe what you think you believe. Here's your opportunity to listen to a perspective outside your own. Will you take it? It's literally with Elsie. Um, that was kind of tough. That was nice. <laughs> thanks, thanks, thanks. Well, y'all heard the voice that I'm here with today. Um, Angelina, um, please hello, hello. introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. I'm Angelina Gomes, not Gomez. I don't know if Elsie knew that about me, but I've been telling everyone because everyone thinks it's Gomez, but it's not. Um, I'm a senior at mid from Boston, actually. And, yeah, I'm excited to have this combo with LC. So you're a senior. As you heard, she's a senior um, as well. Graduate. You're not graduating in the spring, though. You graduated Yeah, no. I think I might fall. walk with you guys, but I'm, okay. I'm a feb, senior feb. Okay, so you'll graduate. So you have two more semesters. Yeah, this semester, next semester. Next semester left. Yeah. Okay, so she's up here at Middlebury as well. Um, yeah, and today we'll talk about – I was in a class with Angelina also. Um, that's how it was we an met. education class, yeah, yeah. That's how we met. Um, Partners what was on the it? first what? day. What? Yeah. yeah. Culturally what? relevant pedagogy. Culturally relevant pedagogy. Or responsive. Right. It's both. Of, yeah, both. Yeah. yeah. What is CRT? We talk a lot about CRT. Yep. Um, different inclusive models of education. Uh, I don't know. Oh, there you go. Different you things. Some things. Are, yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes a little bit of class, but yeah. So, um, first question. What What did you do today? What did you um, get into mm-hmm. as far as waking up? You woke up 7 a.m., told me this yeah, morning. You woke up early. 7 a.m., um, got up. I know you had a lot of work, doing a lot of work. But, yeah, what was the motivation in, okay, did you wake up ready today? Or did you wake up? Definitely woke up a little today. That's fair. Um, That's was fair. just super tired. I think lately I've been just pushing through to get work done, which is kind of different for me. I'm usually just like, I'd like to take it easy. But I think I read like a good essay today and I was excited to talk about it in class. So I was like, you know what? Gotta get up, gotta go to this meeting for an essay. And then I had therapy, which I didn't want to go to either, but I, but I saw it through. And then I went to class and then I participated in class, got some, got some good feedback and now I'm that's lit yeah the the essay seemed to bring a little bit of um like what was the the essay about what is that kind of interesting yeah no um (laughs) it's a really heavy topic actually it's about the slave trade and its intersections with the origins of medicine and how we see race related medicine still being practiced to this day and how that has negative impacts on black and brown bodies and how that like basically is traceable all the way to the slave trade and the slave ships that that people were forced upon, but we do not talk about that at all. It's, it's a very understudied area um, of our history, and and yeah, but the it's like it's it's really important stuff. It's hard yeah. but important. That's fair. Yeah, I, I like that word understudied. I was almost gonna say like a rewritten mm-hmm. also. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because I mean, there's two there's two parts of that, but. Um, 
Like yeah, in building your your essay, there's this movie, Mrs. Average Boys. Really, I'm. Yeah, that, there's that. movies about it, it but it's about um, yeah, that syphilis experiment. But yeah, so I guess we can jump off that in a modern way. Um, have you seen any consistencies as far as not medicine, obviously, mm-hmm. not medicine. We're not talking about medicine, but consistencies in that oppression that um, was prevalent in medicine. Here, I don't know, through your education, did it maybe contribute a little bit to your ugh, feeling today in starting? Because um, it's just like you're starting from a point of, oh, there's so much stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um, another class I'm taking is a class called Black Thought. And so the first essay is for this class called Race, Medicine, and Health. And that's where we're learning about like very early, like 16th century medicine and how that basically kind of developed the concept of race that we know today Mm -hmm. and then the blackberry class is obviously about blackberry and black thought and it's also about rewriting history and looking at narratives that we haven't looked at and the value of those and so i i see so much correlation between the two and i think i definitely see a lot of the correlation in my own life um it's also we can become so. I'm an American Studies major. For those for those out there who do not know, um, <laughs> with a concentration in race and ethnicity, and I think so much of the material I'm learning about and writing about and consistently talking about, and this came up so much in our culture relevant pedagogy class, where it was like, okay, guys, like you guys are learning about this stuff, but I'm living it. And so it becomes very tiring, the duality of it all. Basically, like, waking up every day and living about, living the experiences that you're reading, writing, and discussing Uh amongst a population of mostly white, very privileged people. But that kind of feels neither here nor there, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think I've been, um, I've been very lucky, though. I've found so much joy in a lot of my classes. That's fair. So. Yeah, I mean, that comparison's huge, because... That's what lets you, like, I don't know, navigate through a space. Because right. even though you are feeling what you're feeling, you know that there's something else. And But it, in your, your, your classes, because you're linking culturally relevant pedagogy to that, um, what, is, what is that curriculum almost done in, like, reinforcing some of those, I don't know, like, the, do you think it contributes to the uh, feeling that she said that you had? Or do you think the curriculum, and I mean, because Middlebury is very flexible with a lot of their classes, a lot of their teachers and everything like that. But do you think that um, the curriculum is, is like, I don't know, it's more of a... Yeah. Um, like I said, it's... A flexibility it's, and yeah. everything like that. With me waking up this morning and being like, uh, but something that helped me get out of bed was the fact that I was going to go and talk about an essay that I was excited about. So I mm-hmm. think it definitely does breathe life into me at times. Mm-hmm. In my experience at Middlebury, what I found so far is that I love so much of the material. I'm not super critical of the material just because I, and I'm not saying if you are critical of the material, it means that you don't feel the same way as I do, but I feel super privileged to be here, and I am, and we are, um, but I definitely should work on being more more critical of like the actual material. It's more so with professors that I find the pushback, and of course so many of them are great, but a lot of them are unaccommodating. And so what I will find is that I'm participating in class and engaging with the material in one way that is super important to me and super valued, valuable to me. 
Not only that, but I'm bringing that all to class. I'm sharing it all. My classmates are telling me like, wow, thank you for sharing. Like that was so valuable. All of this great, great, great stuff. And then professors are like, okay, you're amazing. Like you're such a privilege to have in class. This is so much fun. But I need you to be this type of student. And I'm like, why isn't the first way enough? So the material is difficult. I work with it. And I give a lot to it, but I don't feel like I get much back in return. Okay. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it does, but... I'm trying to think where that like, leads. Where to go? It took a turn. Yeah, no, I know. Um, <laughs> you turn from material to something I don't know. One of the... <laughs> I feel like I'm not super passionate about... I, I'm very passionate passionate about um, academics, but I think one thing that has changed a lot for me in the last couple of years is no longer linking, or it's a practice, honestly, it's not something that I have solidified, uh-huh. is no longer linking that professor validation, that productivity that comes with the typical Middlebury student to my self-worth. Uh-huh. I feel like a lot of the time when I'm not performing well academically, like for example, in the culture, culturally re- relevant pedagogy class, whenever I would come, dominate so many conversations. And in a way, that's not too much. I wasn't, I wasn't doing too much. Um, but I would share a strong lot. Verb there. Right? Strong verb <laughs> um, I know, it's a really big one. Dominate. But um, no, I, I would share so much of myself. And I feel like my classmates did a lot of sharing in return, which is probably one of the biggest blessings of like education is sharing so much and and all growing from that and so when I wouldn't get the grade that I wanted like we talked about (laughs) or when I wouldn't get an accommodation that I needed um or I wouldn't be able to like come to every single class like you were able to I would shit on myself not like shit on myself but kind of be like you need to work harder you need to do more like you're not doing enough Instead of, and like trying to, trying to hate myself into the student I wanted to become. Well, that's not how it works. You can never hate yourself into something. Mm. Or if you do, that's not sustainable. Hate is not a sustainable emotion in the body. So one thing that I've been unlearning is being like, okay, she gave me a bad grade, but guess what? I did everything I could in that class. And I gave myself so much to that class. And am I proud of that? I am. Mm. So therefore, I'm not going to keep on being like, Every time I look, and it, and it sucks. Every time I look at my transcript, I'm like, yo, that B is fucking crazy. Like, that's crazy. Um, I do not deserve a B in that class. But even saying that out loud, I'm like, Angelina, that's not a bad grade. Like, you need a, I need to work with myself. It's more, a lot more positive self-talk because there's so much negative already in the world. I don't need to be adding more, especially to myself. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I want to jump off of that. What I'm hearing a lot of, like, is awareness. Mm. Um, an awareness of your like navigation in I don't know how you feel about how you're being taught and what's like being absorbed yeah. I guess you could say so like in that difference because um, I remember in our culture religion pedagogy class from a young age you were also a student teacher uh, <laughs> you what was your oh my god um, I forgot yeah, no, that's you, so crazy you, yeah, yeah I you, was what were you saying um, in like your, it wasn't kindergarten but it was like first grade it was a math program and you had like accelerated yeah. and the teacher would go around and you'd have to go from table to table, table and talk to students and yeah, yeah like what, what was that in I don't know 
because I feel like that almost contributed to that perfectionist attitude that you have now of, hey. You're good at this. Wow. Like, you're, <laughs> <laughs> hey, like, you're, um, it's okay that I'm not getting this great. It's not for somebody else. It's mm-hmm. just for me. Yeah. So what was the, what the thing in, in your transition point, because you said now the way you're talking about it, it seems like you've almost became obviously aware of it, but secondly, you've made steps to change it. So what was that process of, of in your, your change? What, like, allowed you to feel like, okay, like, this isn't something that I have to do for other people, or it's not like they're putting more work on me? Because one of the things you also said, it's like, they're not just putting more work on me. They tell you all the time, like, oh, it's because you're smart. Or, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, we're helping you. Like, we're giving <coughs> you more opportunity, right? What was the thing that made you, like, okay, it is more opportunity. It's not, I'm getting bullied. Yeah. Or it's not contributing to my mental demise. Yeah. <laughs> I think one thing that's very different um, that comes with so many people as they get older, too, is burnout. Okay. And so when I was younger, I was like, let's go, let's go, let's go. Also, um, I was in a room, I was in rooms filled with so many more students that came from similar backgrounds than I did. So it was arguably easier at those times. It was hard because socially, kids are like, you're my peer why are you gonna be miss teacher now but um I think another aspect of that is non-academically I was going through a lot of very 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 difficult home situations and Mm -hmm. all of that stuff so school was has always been my safe place like it's always been super sacred to me and I know that sounds really really corny but It's it's the places I've felt safest most seen and most valued And so that's why I gave, and I continue to give, professors and teachers so much say in who I am and how much I'm worth, because that is my sacred spot. So in coming to Middlebury, experiencing that burnout, or this is even before Middlebury, because I went to like a Middlebury junior for high school, um, where I was completely separated from my family and my community and just put into this white echo chamber of privilege that that's when I started to be like, I'm not getting, nobody here is telling me I'm special. Nobody here mm-hmm. is telling me like, you know, you're so great, you're so mm-hmm. smart. Mm-hmm. In fact, I was being told the opposite so often that I started to believe that about myself. Side note, recently I looked at um, some old journal entries of mine from high school and they were absurd. The things that I was saying about myself and I was feeling like so much grief and I was like, oh my God, one, I haven't even taken the time to look at how far I've come. But two, that poor, poor girl, like she was so sad. She was so hurt. And it's kind of like now I ask myself the question, like, like why does it matter? If that makes sense. Like what value does the professor's opinion of me hold now? And in what ways can I give the younger Angelina what she was looking for for herself? And so it's more about looking internally for that validation that love, that self-worth. And it sounds crazy. It sounds so crazy. No, like, yeah. I get this I'm from professors. I'm about to, yeah. Yeah, but I, I, I do. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. So, no. I, yeah, it's been a, a lot of reflection lately. It, like, this sounds yeah. like I'm super developed, and it, this is so new to me. Oh, so. yeah. Now, there's periods, I mean, there's periods of that. There's periods of you live, and <clears throat> you do what you do, and then you just have to reflect because you're like, what else are you going to do? You can't keep doing stuff. But, um, yeah, one of the things that, I was hearing you say about your self-worth and how you're talking to younger Angelina, right? 
Because there's always the thing in the Bible where they say, like, you have to die before you can become somebody else, right? Mm. Or, uh, I think Ooh. I'm not a Bible person, but that. Well, well, that's, no, 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 no. It sounds super. I'm like, damn, that's that's a good one. No, I'm, I can't. I'm not gonna say I'm not a huge Bible person either. <laughs> <laughs> but I have heard one of those quotes. I've been to a couple of um, sermons and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But um, one of the things that they were talking about in the pedagogy of the oppressed, because the culturally relevant pedagogy class talked a lot about that, um, is the feeling of the oppressor. The oppressed has to free the oppressor, mm. right? The oppressed is your child. The oppressor is the older self and everybody else who you've developed into, right? So that child almost has to free that older version of themselves. Mm-hmm. But then you were talking a lot about the resistance, the resistance that you felt in that, not only from yourself, but like extrinsically, mm. like from your classmates of like, um, you why are you teaching? Like, what did you? The words that you said. I know yeah. you said something. About it. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. So in that, but the dangerous part is because the person's been oppressed, oppressed for so long, they have a tendency to become the oppressor. So your older, your younger self then becomes mad mm-hmm. at your older self, and then you get to a, where you were. The point of discomfort. Right. The point of, oh, (laughs) (laughs) like overwhelming. And the point that we've talked a lot of on the other couple episodes of that overwhelming feeling of, oh, everything's, it's a period of change, a period of juxtaposition, something's going to happen. What's going to happen, you don't know. And then it happens. And then it's like, oh, it's not that bad. But my last question of that is the threshold part that you brought in, the threshold of burnout when you were younger and like overworking right when you're younger do you think that there is a threshold and if that do you think that it can be expanded or changed one thing that that's super super big right now is polar plunges people just going out and just getting in a really cold water i'd love i'd love to do it i'm very interested in that and when you start off you go for one minute you see how long, maybe you just see how long you can go. If it's 30 seconds, whatever. But the point is that you increase your time. Not Maybe not every single time you do it, but like over a period of time. And then you get to like 10 minutes, which is insane. Your, mm-hmm. your initial version of yourself could have never did 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Some people can't mm-hmm. even imagine walking out in the cold with without a jacket or whatever. And I think I view my threshold of tolerance as the same. I think there are times when I'm like, okay, I, I know I can't do this. And one thing that I have learned throughout my experiences with trauma, and um, I feel very privileged to also be aware of, of this, is my body will tell me no before my mind does. Mm. So often. That's so great. often. Even what, does before, that, what does that look like? So today, for example, uh-huh. before I came to, to this podcast with LC, um, I, not voices in my head, but like I just started to feel like kind of dizzy and a little bit of dissociation. I struggle with dissociation. I've struggled with it for, for several years. And what that means is kind of like feeling out of body. Like if you imagine, um, I don't know if you've ever been falling asleep, but you're like kind of still awake and you're like, whoa, like I feel like I'm just <laughs> falling into like the nothingness of the universe. That's what it feels like a lot of the time for me. And what I've realized is when I'm really tired, it happens so much more. And when I was younger, that used to cause me so much panic. I used to think, oh my God, I'm going crazy. I'm, I'm like dying. Something's happening. Like I need to get up and move my body. And 
now what I know is it's my body's alert system being like, one, slow down. Mm. You know, there's, <laughs> if, you know, if you're not being your best self and you're, if you're not feeling your best, then there's like nothing to get rushed into. Mm-hmm. And then two, you need to rest. And so um, that's what I know my body tells me a lot of the time. And I think my threshold for everything, for pain, for sadness, for uncomfortability is constantly, constantly changing and can grow. But I also do think that like, it's not linear. It's, I think of so many things as nonlinear, but as circular. So like, for example, some days I need to like go lay in my bed, not mm-hmm. go to class and put, mm-hmm. this sounds super corny, nope. but put on nope. Disney Channel <laughs> and like hug myself. And it's because today my threshold and my body is telling me it's not super high. We're not pushing it today. Mm-hmm. And if I don't, and I think so many students are like, nah, like got to keep going, got to keep going, got to keep going, especially in a situation or especially at a place like Middlebury. And because they associate that self worth with productivity where it's like there have been times when I've done the things that I need to do such as like laying in, laying in bed hugging myself mm-hmm. and I've missed classes and I'm like damn like everyone's ahead like this fucking stuff it's not worth it it's then you not get worth into it. the other people narrative exactly there you go and so yeah. it's a consistent conversation with myself and also accepting of the threshold that that comes with the day like um, a friend of my pa- friend of mine passed away last week because mm-hmm. of, of gun vi- violence in Boston thank you and I had emailed my professors, like just explain the situation to them. And then I had met with my dean a couple days later, and he was like, Angelina, like what was that email? And I was, and he was like, Are you okay? And I was like, Oh my god, like did I say something wrong? And he was like, Angelina, your friend died. That email was so professional and so like what I had said in the email was, you know, gun violence in Boston is on the rise, and it's been on the rise since I was a child, and. Um, those aren't the exact words, but essentially explaining that this is kind of normal to me. And I'm sorry that I have to deal with this, but you know, this is just something I'm dealing with. And he was like, you know, I I accept that you have to do this to be, you know, your best Middlebury self, but I also want to create the space and acknowledge that this is gonna come in waves. So when that wave does crash and it does hit you and and you're taken under, let me know and I'll handle the professor situations. I'll I'll reach out to them and and whatever the case may be. it felt, I literally started crying. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Did not know I was gonna come in here and cry. I was talking about an email you needed to send for some um, credit class, whatever. Um, and it's just, that's what I'm talking about, like the, with the threshold changing. And, I'm, yeah. and I guess like that is not, that's like an entirely different threshold, but I think letting things come as they come and not trying to push them away. Well, there are times when I do push them away because I'm like, <laughs> I got to keep on going. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I answered your question at all. It was great. <laughs> I want to jump off a different point. Um, not even a different one, but you're talking about like levels of the stress in your body. You're talking about like physical um, indicators, right? And then you went to um, like normalcy, mm. right? And like what's normal, and like different stress indicators being normal because you're talking about like sleep, and then like sometimes you just jerk yourself awake, right? And like for a threshold of of like where you start right because where you start always determines where you can get to not eh, not always actually (laughs) I take that back it's progressing differently huge but where you start influences where you can definitely get to right so because of that 
if you're starting at a state of, of like, because we're going to bring this back to um, the, the stress that you're feeling in the beginning, like if you're starting <coughs> at a state of, of stress coming into the situation, I mean, whether it's home, different cues, because it's, it's like um, you had somebody die, you gunned down in gun violence, right? Not everybody experiences that. Not everybody knows that level of, of stress, right? But that is not a normal for you, but like it's easier for you to be professional, you said, right, mm -hmm. about in your essay. And like that's alarming to other people. But is that safety for you? Yeah, I think one thing that Scott and I, that's my dean, talked about was, and he was like, because he didn't want to dismiss how I was, and he wasn't trying to be like, why aren't you crying? He was like, I understand that this is who you have to be in this moment. But I also want you to know that when you're not this person in this moment, and you're not productive, and therefore, and what he's very much used to is like when kids are in those head spaces of not being productive, I can't do work, my friend just died. I can't go to class, my friend just died. Well, this is my situation. The majority of mm -hmm. kids at Middlebury do not experience that. Um, yeah. And they start to feel bad about that and maybe wallow in it. Um, he's there to be like, no, that's not the situation. What was the question again? Sorry, wait, because I had, I did, yeah. I said, oh, no, no, okay. One thing that I have not said explicitly, but I've been thinking about this entire time, is survival mode. That's, and how so that's many, that normalcy that I'm talking about. Yeah, right exactly. So many of us go into like go into survival mode without knowing it. Today in therapy, mm -hmm. um, I you know got on a Zoom call and I was like, "Yep, I went to two meetings already. I'm already like doing this essay. I have class after this. I'm ready to participate in a discussion." And my therapist, an off-campus therapist who is so amazing, like it's insane. Anyway, different different conversation. We were talking and she was asking me about some things that had went on last week and how I'm feeling about them. And all of a sudden, doom, I'm just crying. And I'm like, oh my God, I don't know. I don't know why I'm crying. Like, I don't know what's going on. My body's just having this reaction. And one can be a testament to, to how comfortable I am with this therapist. That like when I see her, it's just like release. Mm -hmm. But also, sometimes it takes somebody else to be like, hey, not, not the corny, hey, how are you really? Or are you okay? Um, but there are instances that remind you and will kind of hone you in to the survival mode that you've been in. And I'm not saying I've been in survival mode since I found out that my friend passed away, but I think in some capacity it's been necessary for my survival at Middlebury and to uphold this notion of no normalcy. And it's not only because, like, Middlebury, it's also a me thing. Because like, then people are going to approach you. Yeah, and it's, but it's also, like, I don't want to sit in my room and grieve for... For weeks on end, I you just moving on. Yeah, you know, you put yourself in your work and then you move on. Yeah, and it's it's like you, I do that, but also when I started like crying, usually when I start to cry, I'm like, oh my god, wipe the tears, like get them, get them away as fast as possible. Uh -huh. But um, I just like let it come, and I was just like, okay, like this is again the body cues. My body was like, no, and but it wasn't even like a sad, super sad grief cry. It was like a grief cry where it's like you need to release. And then guess what? After the therapy session with the class. Killed it. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Okay. Something like something like. Yeah, let's go. But yeah, I mean, nothing to add, but one thing, and we are kind of winding down, and I want to um, conclude on this this one point because it was echoed in the last episode is, is being that hose. A water hose is the metaphor that Cole and I used. Um, it's the connective tissue 
right? You like you don't always have to be the dude. You don't always have to be the guy who's out there, or the gal, <laughs> who's going and doing everything, right? Because that's taxing. That's can be detrimental, as we've been discussing this whole episode. But being that person who's there just for the sake of Angelina, how you doing? <laughs> and then just get providing that space for you to cry. And then, like you said, like you decided, you figured out those emotions yourself. Like this isn't like a, oh my God, this is going crazy cry. This is just like a, I knew this was coming. Yeah. Cry but cry. And I mean, everybody deals with those things differently, right? Everybody has different coping, not even coping mechanisms, you need healing mechanisms mm-hmm. that go out and bring that mind to a state of, but it almost goes back to the threshold of when people need to do that. Yeah. Because that can be developed, that can be changed, that can be based on survival, that can be based on thriving, that can be based on meritocracy that we were talking about in the beginning, <laughs> or that can be based on, um, I don't know, being a good moral person and talking about whatever. But yeah, I just one of the ec- things I wanted to echo was that just momentum of... Yeah, it comes. You not know where it's gonna go, <laughs> but it'll go. And then Ride once the it, waves. yeah, and once it does, it, it you know you're not in control of the waves, right. and that's the freeing part. And then it's just not do whatever, but enjoy when it's here. You there know, go. but <laughs> yeah. Well, um, that was the the last episode. Not episode, but topic of the conversation. Um, Yeah, now for the outro. Just like facts, this conversation today only holds context if it's backed with evidence. Nobody other than the person who lived the conversation has the evidence to support the facts presented. So don't sell yourself short and get wrapped up in trying. Nobody asks for your help. Take what's been said and leave what hasn't. Don't try and bridge the gap. Life comes and life goes. When will you notice a difference? All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff.